Andrew Nosnitsky on the podcast. Andrew Nas, um, CocaineBlunts.com, which is one of the first MP3 blogs. You've also get, he's also did the Gucci Mane cover story for The Fader. Um, Andrew, how are how what's um, I guess diving right into it. Um, where are you from? Where, where are you from? Uh, where'd you grow up? Uh, well, I grew up in Central New Jersey, uh, which is a great place. People tend to hate on my home state, but I have a lot of love for it. I, I think I I really enjoyed growing up there, and it's cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, well, how did you? Were you into music a lot growing up? Was like, when did you get into? Like, were you into hip hop from like the beginning, or were into music in general? How did like? I was always into music since I was very young. Um, hip hop pretty early, but be like the most um, commercial channel. You know what I mean? Like I was yeah. buying like Hammer and Chris Cross when I was a little kid, and then very quickly that came became like Tribe and Dr. Dre and things like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just always like even when I was young, I was like you know, 12 years old, I was the kid that, like, other kids would ask questions about music, and, like, I just watched entirely too much MTV. My parents actually had, they had to, like, call the cable company to get, like, a ban placed on MTV, so I couldn't watch it anymore. But then I think they kind of fucked up, because then I just started watching BET, and I feel like that maybe pointed me in the direction for the rest of my life, where I've been. Um... But yeah, so, yeah, I don't know, it's just always, it's always been there, like, I've always been curious and always trying to learn. I grew up, and one of the nice things about growing up where I did is, like, I had incredible record stores, and, like, I would just, we had the spot, the Princeton Record Exchange, where I would just go there every weekend and, you know, hang for hours and just get lost and learn about whatever and dig and buy some weird records until I found out what the good ones were. How did that translate to, oh, I now I want to work in, like, music media somehow, particularly, and then how did that lead to, like, writing? Well, it's hard. You know, back then it was difficult to envision something like that. Like, I'd read the source, but I wouldn't know. It's not like now where it's like, oh, I follow so-and-so on Twitter, and, like, I listen to a podcast like this, and I can hear the whole narrative unfold. Like, to me, it was, I just had no connectivity to that world it was like a thing that was beamed in from another planet so i think yeah if you would have asked me when i was a little kid like do you want to write about music for the rest of your life i would have been like hell yeah but i didn't and i did i was always writing about music but like i didn't know how you would do that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it just there was no i mean even when i started blogging i don't think i was like it wasn't like now where it's like, oh, I'm going to blog for a while and like get a gig at Pitchfork. Like I was blogging because I didn't know how to do that kind of shit. Like I just was like, I have all these ideas to share about music. I mean, I always loved, like even when I was little, I used to do like, I would make like my own magazines and like cut out, like I would like cut out the album covers from other magazines and like paste them into a, like a, marble notebook and then like write my own reviews around the photo so I guess I was always like I love reading about music and writing about music was a natural thing but like career wise I don't like it was just such an abstract thing that I never really thought about it in those terms it was like I'm gonna go get a job and be boring for life you mentioned you were always writing about music I guess what do you what do you mean by that um just that I mean oh. literally like before I had any outlet for it I just but not just music, I mean, just writing and keeping, like, journals and stuff. It's funny because I got, like, I mean, this was when I was really young, like, mm-hmm. nine or ten. And then, like, when I hit middle school, I got, like, super embarrassed and threw all that shit out. Like, I found it in a drawer and I was like, oh, this is so, like, dorky. Like, I'm throwing it all out. And I wish I could I could still see it, but I don't know where it went. But, um, yeah, and then around that same time, like, the internet came into play. So it wasn't private writing anymore, and I was very, like, like I was on the internet when I was probably 12 years old which I mean for your your generation is nothing but for me like I didn't nobody I knew was on the internet in 1994 you know what I'm saying right so and back then there were you know I was on IRC and Usenet and like all these old school 
uh, mailing lists, like email mailing lists, where you just get bombarded with certain, like a giant batch of emails from people arguing about internet. You know, the same thing that it is now, but I'm sorry, arguing about music, the same thing that it is now, but, um, yeah. So like, it just always was at that point, I was just writing in conversation on the internet and then you know then that those became message boards and blogs kind of to me were an extension of what i was writing on message boards and like again it was never really like i was never like oh i found this thing i'm going to start writing about music it just was always a, a natural outlet for my enthusiasm about music how far into did you realize oh I'm, you're getting you're gaining like an audience or traction with this did that or was there even a moment where you realized that where did it just like kind of would you um, say you know I never really had a great I feel like I never totally like had a vision for what the audience was or like what the scale was probably not until I mean I guess around like maybe 05 I started um, this site started getting some press and at that point I was like oh like that's cool that they wrote a thing in spin but even then you got to keep in mind that like even at that point like most of my friends were not like on the music internet so it just seemed like this weird anomalous thing it might have been different if i had been like in brooklyn when blogs are happening but like i was in dc and there wasn't really i wasn't like meeting people who were like oh you're that guy from that blog like no right i i didn't it, it seemed totally separate from my own life and I didn't really it wasn't until I mean I, I, it probably wasn't until Twitter that I had a real like sense of there being a large audience as opposed to there just being like I mean I always thought of when I was doing cocaine blunts I always thought of it as just like you know 50 of the homies arguing about zero you know like I, I don't know I guess, I guess XXL, yeah, I guess that I would have assumed that I had an audience there, but who knows. Were you working a day job at that point, or were you just, like, trying to, like, do this full-time, or, like, like, were you um, just doing... I never had, like, a nine-to-five day job. I always did, I always had little side hustles, like, I was working in record stores, I was um, working as a doorman at a bar, I was... I managed a movie theater and, like, was a projectionist. I mean, there was always just little, like, one or two day-a-week gigs that I would do. And it was kind of a cool time because, like, back then you could swing that and you could, like, you know, be paying $500 a month in rent to live somewhere and make that at your shitty day job. And then if you got, like, another $500 from Vibe, like, that was beer money. You know what I mean? Like... Mm -hmm. It, living was a little less expensive back then so um yeah i mean it was always are you, are you were you still in new jersey at that point or were you at that point in a when were you still in new jersey at that point or were you in oakland at that point no i moved i went to school in washington dc and i lived there from 2001 to 2000 so 2011 so like for 10 years and that's where i mean that's where i did like that's where i was a blogger i guess like I, when i moved out here to oakland i kind of slowed on all that stuff um yeah and it was just fun man i was buying and selling records and you know like it was all just kind of it was all just kind of natural you know like i was doing the things that excited me and if it provided extra money then cool and if it didn't, I mean, like, I never made money off blogging for myself, you know, like, that wasn't, like, I think I got, I, I got, like, one advertising check in, like, a decade, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it wasn't, it was never really a career, it was just, like, a passion. Growing up where you did in New Jersey, did your environment or surroundings that people grew up with at all inform your your music, your kind of taste in music, what you were finding, how you were thinking and approaching music, and, you know, just generally maybe your, like, your interest in certain types of music? Yeah, I mean, Jersey's a weird place to grow up as a music fan because I think, especially as a hip-hop head, because mm -hmm. you don't, in some ways you're so close to New York, which back then was still the mecca, and, like, 
in other ways you're far you know like mm-hmm. i didn't i mean i was more on the philly side so like if i was going into a city i'd be more into philly but like so that informed me you know like i was definitely the roots were like huge and but also like listening like a lot of the my underground like my earliest underground rap taste was informed by like not stretching Bob, bobito but instead like i don't know if you remember bahamadea but she had a underground radio show in philly mm-hmm. and then jersey also has its own thing i used to listen to um wprb and like like finding out about poor righteous teachers who are from trenton and like at the time were like the biggest group to come out of where i was from in jersey like that was pretty mind-blowing like there's a whole scene and it's funny because it was kind of popping mm-hmm. a little before i was aware of it like it kind of started to fall off as soon as i was getting into hip-hop so like all these guys were like i don't i'm not sure what caused that but like there just wasn't like it kind of peaked in like 91 92 and then by the time i was like 94 95 when i was getting into it like it wasn't really a scene so i kind of maybe that colors my like historical like little digger mentality where i'm always looking at the past and looking at old records and that's how i'm learning so yeah i guess it did i don't know a lot of it i mean by that time i was also on the internet which exploded everything you know right what was your first uh professional like byline like in a publication and um and how does all that lead to like the like how does it all that eventually lead to like doing you know larger interviews for like say the theater or like noisier or such i have no idea like to be honest like and it's a struggle it's was such a struggle for so many years and i i don't know like eventually you you just build these relationships with editors and you're writing these little like janky 200 dollars blurbs for them for five years and then next thing you know they're running the magazine and they're like oh do you want to go to kendrick lamar's house you know like it doesn't I, there should be a better and more like logical path to it, but it never worked that way. And I remember, cause I wrote for a long time before I got any, I'm trying to think, I think my first cover story wasn't until odd future, oh. which would have been like, like 2000, like 2011 and any, any other features I wrote up into that point, it was me pitching them and getting them. They'd be in the book, but, but it was me like nobody was putting me on an airplane and flying me to go report out a story like that was just me doing it you know out of the love and like trying to make a story happen um yeah i don't know that's probably a better question for somebody on the editorial side like i i wish i had had the access and the budget you you know i've been writing since 03 like i wish there was an eight-year period where i was also you know traveling around and doing features but that just wasn't how it worked out. I don't know. It was tough too. I think people mm-hmm. forget how much when the blogging thing was first started or when it was first starting, we, um, a lot of people in the old world media were not fucking with us and didn't understand what we were trying to do and like kind of looked down with us. Some people did. Some people showed a lot of love. Um, but I think there was a bit of a barrier there for a while where it was just like, oh, that's that blogger guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. What do you think? It, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, what are you gonna say? Uh, what, do you, what do you think? What do you think fueled that um, that sort of us? Maybe I guess, for lack of a better phrase, like us and them kind of thing. I mean, it's the same thing that fuels all generational battles: technology changing perspectives, changing ideologies, people pushing back against all that stuff. It's and in retrospect, it's funny that like. Eh, 10, 15 years later, nobody really thinks about it on those terms. And I'm sure that even like some of the people who probably like rolled their eyes at blogs when they were happening, like will now be like, oh, I always read blogs, you know, like I loved cocaine blogs. And it just, but I don't know. It Maybe it was imagined too. Maybe I just didn't, like I said, I didn't ever want to live in New York. So I didn't like, I wasn't like, I'm going to get my blog like use my blog to get an internship at wherever and then like climb the ranks like i just kind of was like i'm gonna stay here in dc and write if you guys want some work we can do it i don't know 
I'm not, I'm like, it's funny, whenever I talk to younger people about journalism, they always ask me about their career aspects, and I'm always just like, <laughs> I don't know, man, I got lucky, you know, like, I really like... You're kind of just going with the flow, in a sense. Yeah, you know, but I think that's, especially when you're younger, that's the way to do it. I, I think that's how you're going to do good work, and you're going to follow your passions and not follow what people want you to be writing about or what you think you should be writing about. I feel like a lot of what I read is like more reactive than proactive and it's you know like well the thing that we need to write about now is the Kanye West album so everybody wants to write about the Kanye West album whereas like my whole thing was like yo I'm really excited about you know old Houston rap tapes and if anybody's interested in it like you can ride with me if that leads somewhere that can get me a gig you know like Mm -hmm. if, if that ends up like I, leads me to like somebody hiring me to interview Pimp C or something like that's cool but if not like I'll just be over here in the corner like listening to my like old rap a lot tapes and I think that's something that I kind of I don't know I wish I could see more of like just people who are excited about like going down different paths do you feel like that do you feel like there was something lost in like the writing when you moved over to more like maybe pro, like professional blog and do you feel like what you just mentioned that you know that excitement was present more was ever present in like music writing well you have to fight for it I think is mm-hmm. the thing and and I did and I think my life would be a lot easier in some ways if I didn't but the work would be a lot worse you know mm-hmm. and I think that um you know, it, that's one of the frustrating things about writing is that you would think that as you got more successful, you would have more freedom. But like the difference between you writing some little back in the book, back in the book blurb of a Kendrick Lamar record when, you know, like writing the Section 80 review, you're going to have a lot more freedom than if you're writing the, you know, to pimp a butterfly cover story. Right. And, and, and then all of a sudden, like everybody at the magazine is like, breathing down your neck and wants it to be like right you know the publicists are looking at it and uh, uh, so you know it's a fight and there's you you pick your battles and you win some and you lose some and you just it I don't know I, I wish that I mean again like I always been lucky like I've worked with wonderful editors who know that I'm a fucking weirdo sometimes and like give me my breathing room to do that and also like check me if I'm going too far left but um sometimes when I read a lot of this stuff out now I wish that you know people could be weirder and like be more themselves and like follow the paths that they're passionate about what um I guess I want to broaden that a little more to uh, like music and in general and I want to talk about the store of course but I guess, like, what the last question I want to ask you, I guess, in terms of just straight up just writing technique and nothing bolts, is that, like, do you, what, for someone looking, would you, for someone looking against you, like, music writing nowadays, would you say they're even, is it, you know, what would the, you know, we just had the, you know, the fader layoffs happened earlier this week, and, you know, you're seeing, know, that, which is a bummer, because they fired Duncan Cooper, which is, that's a bad Shout time. out to Duncan, man, it's, I, yeah, that's, it's frustrating. Um, I would say just write, you know, like that. The nice thing about writing is that you can always do it. Like you don't need Fader to pay you to write something down, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I think that, you know, like if I had a son who was like, oh, I want to, my career path is music journalism. Like that's what I'm going to pursue. I'd be like, yo, maybe make sure you have a solid backup plan because it's not it's it's a gamble but i also would be like pursue it you know what i mean like don't not write like don't get dissuaded because you know the business infrastructure is not there like you still should be if you got something to say you should write it down like yeah i mean i feel like music i feel like it's become very democratized now where like you have like all these resources you have and you know you even have things like you know deep cuts or like the needle drop that are like kind of paving this interesting way to like people just kind of doing it yeah 
Well, that's more, I mean, yeah, actually, if somebody told me that, I'd be like, get really good at YouTube. You know what I mean? No, Which right. is like... I mean, that's a YouTube example, but I meant like in general, but like... Yeah, no, and I mean, it's it's a shame, man. I wish there was more of a, um, I don't know, I, I mean, you're younger. Do you know a lot of people who read their music criticism? What do you mean, like just people who read, like just general people who read music critiques? Yeah, like is um, that something... Outside of like, I mean, I'm at the school magazine here and a few, the people who are in the, the kind of small group that are in their music kind of do, write. but outside of that, no one really read. no one, I don't know anyone who reads like Pitchfork or like The Fader. I, I mean, I like those <laughs> yeah. sites, but like... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if people were like clicking on them or like going like, oh man, he's a great article by like on The Pitchfork. It's like, you know, that's the reality I yeah. feel like. I, yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is like, I... I'm probably guilty of that as well. You know, like mm-hmm. I'll read it. If somebody I know wrote something, yeah. I'll read it. Or if, you know, like, but I'm not like, see, the thing I think that's lost is that like, for me growing up, the reason I read about music is that was the only access that I had mm-hmm. to musicians. You know, like you had the records and then like you'd catch, like I just saw the, um, I, I don't know, you probably don't remember this, but there was an old source cover with Redman where he had, like, tissue stuff in his nose. And I saw that, and I had such a flashback to, like, that being everything. Like, suddenly you had this access to Redman. Right. You know? Like, that would... And so, like, you would listen to his album for six months, and then maybe you'd pick up... You'd, like, go to Sam Goody and pick up the source, and you'd learn about him. Right. And then... You, all you'd have would be like that four page interview and then like maybe you'd see him on like yo MTV Raps he'd like do a guest host and be like I'm in Newark but um, largely like your relationship with music was you sitting and listening to a record and wondering about it and imagining it and then like you would get a magazine and it would open like this whole new world of information up to you and I think now it's kind of the opposite where you're just being bombarded by the extra curricular information you're just constantly you're like oh i'm on six nines instagram and i know everything about every like i know his dog's name and i know his his mom's favorite soup and you you know like yeah and then you go and listen to the record so i guess my point is that like it's hard to think that you know somebody writing a thousand words about something could matter as much as it did 20 years ago like i'm not I get it. Like, it, it's just a different time. Well, what do you feel like the, like, the, how do you feel like the role, what do you, or not how do you, but what do you think is the role of, like, music crit- criticism in, you know, music journalism now in, like, 2018, where, like, you know, everyone in some ways is a journal, you know, you can go on Twitter and, you know, I remember when, um, I remember when Astro World dropped this summer, and it actually, not just that, but even the Kanye album, and, you know, I would go, I mean, you know, I would go on Twitter and you, you know, type in hashtag Afterworld or whatever, and everyone's already giving their thoughts into, like, the second the album drops. Like, so, I mean, how do you feel, like, you know, what do you think the role of music journalism is now, or what role, if it even has a role, would you say? Um, well, I mean, I think the thing that differentiates, hopefully, a professional music critic or a, I mean, not even a professional music critic necessarily, but, like, a serious one from, mm-hmm. like, somebody just getting off takes on Astro World on Twitter is that you're going to have like a deep knowledge right. of the music beyond what's happening now you're going to have a historical understanding you're going to have you like you're not only going to be listening to five rap albums this month and be like well these four are the greatest you know like you're going to be in the trenches listening to all kinds of stuff keeping an open ear keeping an open ear and just, you know, thinking about it. I mean, the thing that I've been so lucky to do is that, like, mostly all I've had to do for my adult life is think about music and listen to music and learn about music. If some guy comes home from his job, like, as an accountant, and not to say his opinion's invalid, but, you know, he just doesn't have the time or energy to, like, learn at that level i mean maybe he does maybe he's working an eight hour day as an accountant and spending eight hours like 
reading old source back issues or something, but like, you know, I, I just think that, I don't know, there just has to be a sense of curiosity to it, I think. And I think that's something that, again, it's like, you're reacting to Astro World, great, so is everyone. Like, how many Astro World yeah. opinions can you have? No, right. You know, like, even, I mean, I don't know. And I don't even say that, like, I'm trying to not hate. <laughs> like, no, I, right, I, I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> I went into this being like, I'm not going to hate on records that I hate, but, um. No, go ahead. <laughs> No, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not constructive, and it's not... Um, and honestly, I think kind of blindly hating devalues criticism, and it's, it. it's this weird void where, like... Um, okay, so I feel like hate is a lot louder on the internet, and it travels a lot farther, because if I say I love World, the only people who are going to respond to that and share it and amplify it are people who love Astro World. Right. If I say I hate Astro World, the people who hate Astro World are going to be like, "Yeah, he's speaking to me." The people who love it are, are going to be like, "Fuck this guy," and then my voice is going to get louder. So then what happens is, and this is something that's always frustrated me throughout my career, is like, um, your negative pieces are going to travel further, and then people are going to be like, "Oh, that's that guy that hates J. Cole." You know, right. and like I could write 20 articles about the songs I love, but like the things that are going to travel the farthest and garner the most attention are going to be the ones that are negative. And I don't know, man, that just I, it just frustrates me so much. Like, really, like as I've gotten older, I've tried to like you're always like, why do you delete your tweets? And it's like, because I just don't want like people to be like, oh, I looked at his timeline and he just is that guy that hates Travis Scott. Because as much as I don't like Travis Scott, like. I love the shit that I love more. Like I didn't get into writing about music or sharing music or listening to music to like make enemies. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's not, that's not the purpose of it. Like obviously like you just got to be honest and you know, you're not liking something. You, you share that information, but I don't know, man, it's just the frustrating thing. Right. Wait, I don't know if that answers your question. No, that, no, that answered it perfectly. It <laughs> Wait, you didn't like sicko mode? <laughs> <laughs> it um, it's like barely a song. It's just like <laughs> three beats. Yeah, it's dr- I don't know. <laughs> I have a theory. Okay, I have a theory that, tra- that Travis Scott secretly ripped off Blackie. I, don't know I love Blackie, but everybody says that everyone ripped off Blackie. No, I but like, I actually think that's an insult to Blackie because I feel like <laughs> he's way more interesting than like something like Death Grips in a way. Whoa, well, let's get into that. How so? Well, let's get into that. How uh, so? No, no, no. Please tell me your your Travis Scott uh, theory first. Oh, my theory. So, there's a, so a new sl- all right, and I got this from so I was watching the No Jumper interview with Drew Millard, and he pointed something really interesting that I thought was really interesting. He said on New Slaves, the piano riff. On that down, 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 is actually if you actually listen to it, it's and I listen back and I actually agree. It's eerily, it's actually a slowed down version, or it's an amorphous version of a song by Blackie called like Through the Window. I, I think it's called. I don't know if I know that Blackie song. No, it's it's one of his earlier tracks, but like think about it, Travis Scott is a huge is, is from is from is from Houston. Blackie's from Houston. Blackie's huge is like a huge Houston rap you know, figure in, like, underground Houston rap. I don't know. I just feel like it's very shady. I don't know. It's a, it's a, weird, co- it's a weird coincidence. That I mean, weird, weird coincidences do happen. They do. To, you know, like, I think that, um, we don't know. We'll never know. We'll never and know. one of the real things about, like, a lot of these, like, like, what did they say? Oh, and they posted that thing that, um, that, like, underground record that, Childish Gambino supposedly ripped off for um, This Is America. Oh, yeah, that's right. I heard about the court case. Did he get sued? Did he get sued for that? I don't know if he got sued, but... I mean, uh, it's just... Or that might have been Robin Sick and Marvin. I don't know. This'll, oh, yeah. I no, can't... like, there was, a, there was, like, a viral, like, they posted a video, and I was like, yeah, it kind of sounds like This Is America, and it had similar... It was, like, another dude ranting about America, and I was just like, I guess, but... It's a lot of rap, <laughs> It doesn't. I mean, especially like following the Robin Thicke case, I try to err on the side of like. 
And I mean, this is what's crazy about it too, is like, like until recently, like you weren't getting people sued. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's scary. Like if, if you were to write what you just said in a review and like, I mean, I'm sure Blackie doesn't give a fuck, but like if the wrong lawyer gets wind of it, then like suddenly it's a different, it's not a critique. It's a, it's a court case. Mm. So like the Robin thing, big thing is such bullshit, dude. I mean, Marvin Gaye, swipe shit all the time like that's part of you know it's mm-hmm. all this stuff is rooted in folk music you, you know like I don't so yeah what was I gonna say um wh- so I guess what do you what do you look so I guess what do you look for and like what do you look for and like what music what rappers what are you into like mu- like <laughs> musically I guess like not I guess to kind of jump off from there like what and what do you look for in music like what draws you to like a song particularly are you are, like, you are you a production guy? Is it more lyr? Is it more lyricism? Is it more? I love lyrics, but I can't deal with good lyrics over bad production. You know, so I, I guess I would say I am a production guy. In that, like, I can listen to a song with bad lyrics and good production, but I can't really tolerate a song with good lyrics and bad production. But also, like, it's music. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to answer the broader question. A lot of what I look for is originality. Hmm. And I think that's a lot of why I've kind of clocked out on rap recently is that it's transitioned from like, I guess like something that was more broadly in the jazz tradition where yeah. it was about finding new flows and new ways to say things. And more now is like more like kind of mirrors the blues where it's just like 12 bar blues, Migos flow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like every song is like, everybody doing the same like i hated when 50 cent came out and it was like he was doing his mixtape freestyles where it was just him like he'd take a hit song and then like change the words to it and it was like a karaoke thing like that to me was not and i love 50 but i just couldn't i don't know like i i I can respect that as like a creative thing but like it just doesn't catch my ear it doesn't stick with me and i feel like that's where we're at with a lot of a lot of like post Migo shit is just mm-hmm. like, you know, we have like four or five different artists who have like from 2013 to 2016 innovated all the flows. And then ever since then, it's just been everybody like, like retracing those steps. Do you feel like, how, well, do you feel like that that's a trap in general or do you feel like it's more so like, no, it's not just trap. I'm not just, I mean, I'm using Amigos as an example, but I hear it too with like, how often do you hear like somebody rapping like J. Cole? You know what I mean? Like yeah. there doesn't, and I think that's the frustrating thing is like, you know, there, there are always like little trends, you know, like there's DAS effects and like, it, yeah. you know, like certain things stuck for a while and stuck around, but like there was always like more of a, well, I don't know, maybe, you know, whenever I talk about this, I always feel like, Hindsight's twenty twenty. No, or, that's the wrong uh, cliche. But um, what am I trying to say? I don't know. You just you just um, you tend to not remember the worst things. I think people who talk about the golden era, it's like that's one of the cool things about working in a record store. Is like I have to see all the bad records from nineteen ninety three too. Right. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So like, it's hard for me to be like everything was so much better like probably when you get right down to it you had the same situation where there's like a half dozen people doing really incredible innovative shit and then like a bunch of like mid-tier people kind of like riding their coattails and that's just art man like i don't think you can't expect everyone to be a genius but um yeah i don't know it's hard it's hard to i mean i guess that's how i ended up writing was that it's always been hard to um articulate what you like about music you, you know like I, I wish there were if there was a short answer i probably wouldn't have spent my whole life trying to write it down you know what i mean no right well, um how did you go, what made you want to transition to going what made you transition more toward like running the store like you know opening a park uh, boulevard in oakland how'd you end up in oakland that's i guess i'll start with that actually and how did that like lead to like okay i'm gonna start doing a, i'm gonna open up a record store and kind of focus more on that so well I would say there's a lot of layers to the answer to that question. Right. I guess I ended up in Oakland because I got priced out of where I was living in DC. Um, 
I wasn't really sure where to go. The nice thing is as a freelancer, you can pretty much go anywhere. I mean, that's again, that's now that freelance rates are going down and rent is going up, that's no longer the case. But, you know, seven or eight years ago, that still felt like the case. Um, I always loved the Bay Area. I love Bay Area rap. I mean, everything like Cocaine Blunts and Hip Hop Tapes is an Andre Nicotina reference. Yeah. You know, like Lil B was happening and, you know, Hyphy was a big part of my like early 2000s existence. I have, I have some friends out here and I would like come out in the summers and be like, that's just the greatest like I heard Keek the Sneak on the radio, like it's the greatest place in the world. So yeah, I just, it seemed like a place I always wanted to live. So I came here, um, not with the intention of opening a record store. Like that was never, I mean, that was not, I couldn't have even imagined that would have been the goal. Like I left all my records in New Jersey in my mom's basement when I came out here. But um, so I did that. I wrote for a little while out here. I worked in digital music for a while, which I really did not enjoy. And I really saw, like, a lot of what's happening with Spotify now, just kind of like the end of the middle class of music, I saw kind of happening in my day job. Like, how so? What's that? Like, how so? Like, how did you see it, like, coming? Well, just, you know, going to meetings and being, like, like trying to explain to a room full of tech people that, like, Kevin Gates matters when, uh, like, the Taylor Swift album's coming out. You know, like, mm-hmm. that kind of... Like, seeing the mentality that only focuses on the biggest artists in the room and being someone who, you know, has dedicated my life to the smaller ones, like, it just was frustrating day in and day out. Um, so I think the shop probably evolved as like a fuck you to all of that. And it was like, well, I can do this other thing. Like I said, I worked in record shops. So like I had a sense of like what that entailed. Um, I had always bought and sold records on the side, either privately or online or like at little record shows we used to do back in dc so i felt like i had a good handle of it i met the guy i was working with initially he had bought this huge huge stock of tapes and i went over to his house and they were just in his garage he's like take some tapes man and i was like and like any tape like bay area rap tape you could imagine was just chilling there and i was like dude we need to do something with this but to answer the bigger part of your question is that it never was intended as a transition. Like I was never like my thought was always like I'd be in the shop a couple days a week and like I could go write a story the rest of the week. But like, man, when you start a business, it's your baby. You know, it's the mm-hmm. same thing as having a child, and like you just can't. I mean, you never escape it. Like technically, I was off today, but I was in and out of the shop all day. You know, like there's yeah. just not. It, it's a it's a delicate and like demanding thing to do. And I think, I mean, the, the guy I was working with left, I think for the same reason is that he, I mean, he had an actual baby. And I think at one point he was like, <laughs> yo, I need my actual baby to be my baby, not the shop. Um, so like, yeah, it was never the strategy to be like, I'm done with writing forever. Like, I wish I had more time to write but I just don't. And part of it is like the stuff I want to write about is so adjacent to what I'm doing in the shop. Like it's hard to be in there, like arguing with the UPS man to deliver my, you know, Gucci man records. And then like go home and be like, I'm going to write about Gucci man. Like the last thing I want to think about when I go home is, is Gucci man, you know, like, which is a shame because obviously Gucci man is, is fun. It's great to think about Gucci man, but yeah, it just, it's a lot. What was it like cover speaking of Gucci, what was it like shadowing him and covering him and like how did like what was that whole experience like how long did that take? What was that like? What was like was it uh, was it positive? Was well, it Yeah, no, he was so kind and so appreciative, you know. It's interesting, like I've always been really selective about who I write about, but like people are always like, What are your worst stories? Like I feel like I don't know to answer your previous question like i feel like a lot of what i look for in music is like a certain humanity and even if it's someone like uchi who like on the surface level he's kind of made a lot of ignorant music like 
you meet him and he's just like the sweetest guy you know what i mean like he was so he he was so um you know he gave us so much of his time and like was just very open and happy to have people there i mean we caught him at a good point in his arc too like just coming home and being hella ripped and like just you know what i mean like just walking around his mansion but um no you know like that was one of the better probably feature articles i ever did like it but they it's quick too like that's the thing is like i think i was probably there for two or three days and you're just kind of like i'm not a person who can travel well like some people like jet lag doesn't affect them for me like whenever i do these assignments i'm just kind of like wandering around a rapper's house like a zombie and like trying to make sure that like my tape recorder is not running out of batteries you know what i mean like it's hard to um and then like i go home and like you're so wired and like you're working and thinking and like you're not sleeping and it just i don't know i wish i could i wish i wasn't like such an anxious person person that i could go and like actually have fun but it's not i wouldn't describe them as fun it's really hard work it's very um it's exhausting and then it's you know the work's not even i'm always envious of photographers because they like go and work for three days and then they just have to go home and pick the best one but like for me the work's just getting started you know what i mean like yeah. then i then i go home and have to like buckle down for three weeks and transcribe a bunch of interviews and like so i don't know i mean it's cool it's nice when it's someone like Gucci who's just so open and willing to like play ball like sometimes the worst feeling is when you like fly in and you meet the guy and you just know from like off rip that like not even that they're gonna be negative but like they're just not into it you know like they're just gonna like sleepwalk through the whole process and then you you have to kind of react in kind so it's not like Gucci was awesome but like I said I haven't had a lot of those like I, I tend to be pretty selective about who I work with because I'm a sensitive dude and like that freaks me out you know what I mean like I take that shit super personally one thing I want to talk about for a second is I want to talk about I was, so I was reading the uh the Jeff Weiss Post Malone uh takedown <laughs> in the Washington Post and there's as as funny as it is sometimes there's a part in the arc I want to ask which is this idea he talks about Jeff Weiss um, of like white people working in rap music and the idea of there being sort of a cultural debt to that like and the idea of like do you do you sort of agree what is your kind of approach as you know someone who's white working in like who has worked in rap media do you feel like there is sort of a cultural debt to be repaid to that or like do you feel like do you feel like there's a certain approach you take with that in mind or like um, that might I be a deep question. I'm sorry, but like voice piece because it seemed really angry. Like I started reading it and I was like, "Yo, he really hates Post Malone." <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna read three thousand words of this. Um, but uh, so I'm not sure exactly what you're referencing there. But like, uh, I think that there's there's two answers to that question. I think that yes, absolutely. Like, I kind of do side with like I'm. I'm hesitant to say this, but like the Lord Finesse line of like you're a guest in someone else's house, like absolutely, that's true. Um, but on top of that, I will also say that like I think everybody owes something to culture. Like I don't think culture is like a birthright. I think that you, and it goes regardless of whether you're born into it, whether you you know like parachuted onto an island, like you got to contribute to culture. So I think it becomes a question of like for anybody do you take more than you put into it like are you giving back to this community are you doing things are you making a million dollars and like just fleecing people are you um or not even on a financial level you know like hip-hop has given me so much joy and like for me a lot of the work i do is like well how can i give back how can i participate in that like it's not um i would hate to feel like I was just on an island, you know, with my rap tapes and not having it be like a feedback loop, you you know, like when I write, I I want it to be in the service of the art, be in the service of the artists and be in the service of the culture. And I don't know if that's, I mean, like as a white person, you definitely have to 
I think be hypersensitive to that, but also I think everybody should do that, man. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't think that um, you know, that's just culture, man. Like it's not a, and I think so much of capitalism is people taking and taking and taking from culture and not thinking about what they're giving back, what their impact is, and like I, I, we all got to do better. I don't know. Maybe that was too deep of a. No, that was great. <laughs> I guess, I guess, but you know what I mean. Like you, I know, definitely yeah. like. I guess like because I was referring to you was kind of a part where you talked about how Post Malone like has talked about like not voting or like X or like talking about how he would have potentially done you know Trump's inauguration and saying that like there's almost this, like apoliticalness to like the fact that even I mean in that case I think it's different because he's also like an artist like making tons of money off of that. I mean, he's also like a kid who's high as hell. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I. So, I mean, I mean it's already seen a lot. It. Like, okay. I don't know if, and also, like, do you want Post Malone voting? I don't know. Like, is he going to be really informed about the issues? Well, I guess that's interesting. Do you feel like the internet in general has done more good or better for, like, the way we, like, approach, like, culture and stuff like that? Like, the way we, you know, like, for example, you know, the way we, like, we think of things, the way we were, like, talking about things, what we listen to, what we're, like, do you think it's changed all that for the better or for, like, or it's kind of in the middle? I mean, it depends on who you are, I think. I think it's... The access it provides is incomprehensible. I mean, the fact that I can... I mean, I, I just... I don't know if you saw I tweeted about this, but, like, I just... I'm reading that Beastie Boys book that just came out, which oh, I yeah. never was, like, a huge Beastie Boys fan, but, like, they're awesome. Like You know, like, they're mm-hmm. just such interesting cultural figures. And there's a whole chapter in there about the first... Uh, black flag show they went to oh okay and so literally i just typed in like black flag in the date and the whole show is on youtube with like 400 views there's like a soundboard rip of the show so the fact that like we have access to that is such a gift and again like i mean if i had read that in a book when i was 16 i would have maybe spent six months like emailing people to send me a cassette dub you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. if i was even that invested in black flag you know but like the fact that you literally can just like access all the music ever at any point i mean obviously there's limitations and um but you know like that's a gift and that's incredible and that's why like as much as like you see me like being like i'm done with the internet i hate the internet like i'm still in it because it's where all the music is like why would i how could i ever leave like you you know i dreamed if you'd asked me when i was a 10 year old kid like what do you want most in the world i'd be like access to all the music for free right now you know like and now you have it and i could spend the rest of my life like you could lock me in my room with my laptop and i'd probably be pretty like content but the other side of that is um you know it's changed a lot in recent years i think that um you have a lot of people who looked at what people like me were doing and looked at that enthusiasm and their first thought was like well how do we monetize that mm-hmm. how do we exploit this enthusiasm um and i think you see that i think that's a lot of what's happening in digital music right now is like a, how do we exploit the enthusiasm? And then, like, how do we streamline it so that less enthusiastic people can pay us? You, you know? And I... So it's a complicated question, man. Like, I, I don't know. Like, you say, is the internet good or bad? Like, it's it's not even... It's just a thing. You know? Like, it's yeah. everything. Like, how do you... Like, is the sun good or bad? You know what I mean? No, it's yeah. hot. But, like, it's there, and it's, like, all around us, and there's good, and there's bad, and depending you know the sun's good or bad the sun's good on a 80 degree day if you're like at the equator and it's 120 degrees you're gonna be like fuck the sun so yeah i don't know i mean i don't know it makes me sad i think a lot of what my big dream for the internet when i started doing it was that it would you know cultivate more independent music it would cultivate more creativity it would cultivate more access and there was kind of a five ten year period where it was tipping in that direction but what we were actually doing was um giving the industry a blueprint to profit and like to convert that world into something that looks more like the old world you know what i mean like, yeah 
you know, you know, like I think about MySpace and iMeme and that stuff. Like that was organic in a way that nothing is. Like SoundCloud, I get this a little, but but even that, like, very quickly became gamed by the industry. Like, there's no space on the internet where like you you can be creative for very long before somebody swoops in and tries to profit from it. And I think that's true in the journalism world too, where it's like. You know, I wrote on the internet for a decade before anybody paid me, and like there was no, you know, the tone and tenor and approach is going to be way different than as soon as I get my first paycheck and I start thinking about it as a career and start thinking about like who I'm working for and what they might think and what their expectations are, what that my who my audience is. You know, it just changes everything. Like, there's something nice about, you know, all the music that we love, all the music we we are nostalgic for a lot of that shit was born out of a vacuum you know Mm -hmm. like there wasn't you know like hip-hop literally started in like a gymnasium you know what i mean like there wasn't no nobody was there being like well how do we monetize this i actually think one of the coolest things happening right now in hip-hop and it's largely undocumented and i'm hesitant to even talk about it but is all the trends in hip-hop dancing and like Mm. and a lot of that is nobody's figured out how to monetize it you know you have like what's your name fortnite the the rolex guys oh but you know what i mean like just it's harder to monetize something you can't really sell a dance you can sell a song about a dance but you can't really do it so then you have these like dudes in memphis who are just killing it for the love and like there's no real stake to it you know whereas like anybody who's making a song anybody who's making a beat anybody who's rapping like there's always this just out the gate sense of like well somebody's gonna buy this mm-hmm. and that i mean what was did you read that quincy jones interview that one one where everybody yeah. was flipping well he said he said that as soon as money walks into the room god walks out yeah yeah or something like that i mean you I know i'm like not that, yeah. religious like that but i think the point stands like it just it changes everything and i think now it happens so quickly like people are you know they're just catapulted to fame like everything like i see odd future as a real turning point where like prior to that artists would work and rap would have to there'd be two three years of grinding out mixtapes and like figuring it out and like learning what they're doing wrong and like pushing back against trends and pulling towards trends you know what I mean just like figuring it out and doing it I mean not entirely for the love I'm sure they had that stuff in the back of their minds but then like once the odd future like equation was created like everybody was just like you know let's get the slick video out let's get the fader premiere let's you know it just became a model that wasn't that it just started getting boring to me no i mean the stuff that the stuff that i like in music right now is is usually in like like you asked like what kind of rap i like and like it's stuff like it's usually in markets that people aren't really haven't figured out how to cross over yet you know what mm -hmm. i mean like like out here in the Bay, which has always been this weird bubble, um, like SOBRBE, and it doesn't really have a lot to do with what's going on. It's a, like a closed circuit. And then I love a lot of the stuff coming out of Baton Rouge, like 7th Street Carlos and like the Detroit shit, Sada Baby. And yeah, you know, like so things that function a little more like old world hip hop that aren't as contingent on like being Instagram popular and. You know, it's just more about, like, making these songs that bang in a neighborhood and, like, are in the tradition of a neighborhood. No, or, or a city or a region or whatever. No, or I feel like that, like, it's even even with, like, I guess writing, like, I, I have, like, so many friends that were, like, trying to, like, you know, do this for, like, a living. I have a friend that's trying to, I mean, I know a few people, but they're trying to do it for, like, a living. And there's always a kind of this constant, like, thought of, like, is it, you know, profitable? Is there money? Is it going to get, like, how many clicks is it going to get? And I feel like, I feel like even with music, you know, I feel like comparing it to like, 
a lot of people with music, people I know who are making music, and, and they're not really, I mean, the people I know who make music aren't really rapping for the most part, but, like, even then, there's, like, there's not that concern with, like, you know, I mean, it's definitely not, like, ruling it out, but there's not that much of a concern with, like, oh, is this going to get, like, a huge, you know, like you said, Instagrammable, Instagrammable you know, following, it's more about the art, and I feel like there's less of, like, there's less worry, I feel like the art comes up more pure in that sense. Yeah. Like I don't know. Would you ever? Go, would you ever go back to doing like? In the, I guess to kind of wrap it up. Would you ever go back to doing, like, independent more like, doing this independently in general, over like? Um. Yeah, it would require time, and I think that's the thing is like, time and energy that I don't currently have. I would love to do. I mean, that was always my plan with the shop was like I'm gonna open it and like publish a zine every month or something. You know, mm-hmm. like, and I just don't, I'm just burnt, man, and like. You'll see how old are you now? Um, I'll be 22 in like a couple weeks. Bro, once you hit 30, it's like your entire like energy shifts. Mm. Like I, uh, it's just different. Like I, when I was your age, it was just like I'm a grind constantly and like do everything. <laughs> and every thought I have is something I can execute. And as you get older, you have more responsibilities. You have less energy. And like, there's so many things that I would love to sit down and do creatively. And like. Most of them, yeah, they would happen independently because I'm not trying to pitch to whoever at the, like, are, even if there are magazines left, like, I don't know if they want to, you know, hire my weird ass to do something that isn't about Drake, you know, yeah. but, um, yeah, so Dan, the short answer is that, yeah, I'd love to do that. I hope you, you've, if you would ask me any time in the last three years, I'd be like, yeah, like hopefully next month, like I'm going to get on this, this and this, but like time passes and you just... I don't know. You you just have other obligations. So, what? No, that's a bummer answer. No, it's really being you being honest. That's good. But um, who are you listening to right now? Who are you listening to from the Bay Area? From just in general, even beyond that, in general, like what are some of the artists, even beyond rap, just in you know general music that you're consuming, and what's got you excited, and what are you looking forward to? Truthfully, most of what I listen to recreationally is just like. Prince mm. and, and like Prince adjacent like one of the the only positive of Prince passing is that his estate stopped regulating YouTube as hard as he did uh. so you can like now all these like deep like demos and like side projects you can totally just go and lose yourself in oh, wow. in the Prince catalog now and that's and I mean that or Autecker with those are, and it's kind of the same like I, do you know them um, Autecker? Yeah. No, I've heard them more. Like, what are they? They're like old school British electronic music, but okay. like super, like over the last 15 years, they've just been doing like intense aggro, algorithmically generated electronic music and just doing, like they just released an eight album, hour album this year. And like, Oh, that's the one you, is that the one you reviewed for uh, Pitchfork? I did. I reviewed it for Pitchfork. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and they, I, that kind of sparked me, like, to go back and, because I didn't, I kind of fell off. I listened to them probably, like, up through, like, 2001, but stopped paying attention for a while. So now I'm going back and, like, listening to all the shit I missed and kind of having my mind blown. Uh, so, yeah, I guess that's the thing is, like, a lot of, a lot of this stuff I like, probably the things like what those two artists have in common is that it's like these kind of like deep immersive catalogs it's like young thug or little b or gucci man you know like mm-hmm. i think i got really into the that feeling of just like losing yourself in a body of work and just having you know like when the thug album leaked and there's or when the thug tracks leaked and you suddenly have three thousand three hundred songs by your favorite artist to parse i love that that's to me is like one of the most fun things about music and you kind of that sense that like you never I mean I guess to me music is a lot a lot of the joy in it is in discovery and like as much as I love you know the first three Tribe Called Quest albums I don't I know them by heart man you know what I mean like I can close my eyes and like I've lived with those records for 25 years it's hard for me to um I can throw them on and be happy, but it just doesn't like spark my interest the way that like something like Prince where I'm like, 
there's 10 songs by Prince from 1983 that I've never heard suddenly, you know, like that yeah. to me is such an amazing thing to experience when you're dealing with these super prolific artists. Um, I guess, yeah, that, uh, th- thank you very much for doing it. That was, you, you gave me a lot of really good stuff to work with here. Or, yeah, I hope it was useful. Um, not as agree. I'll let you know when it's, uh, when it's posted. Cool. Thanks for uh, hitting me up, man.